0: You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. So when we navigate through this thing called life, sometimes it can get very overwhelming, very scary, because we don't know what's ahead. And we trying to figure this all out by ourselves. It's It's daunting. But there's good news for us because the God who holds our future actually holds our hands and leads us to the best possible outcome, and that should make us smile. And so when He guides us, it may not be the most comfortable path, it may not be the quickest path, it may not be the most clearest path, but can we still trust in Him that He is working it out for our good? Our passage today is taken from the book of Acts chapter 16 starting from verse 6 to 15 and I hope you have your Bibles or you can just follow it up on the screen. Now when I was reading this passage this word jumped out at me which is the word guidance. Now I saw this online somewhere in the word guidance there is this word dance. Now following and living with the spirits is like Traditional slow dancing, not like dancing like in the clubs where you're like it's 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 like but traditional <laughs> slow dancing. Where if you have two people and they both try to lead, the dance can look very ugly, it can look very jittery, it can look very clunky. But if one person let the other person leads, the dance can look very beautiful and, and marvellous. And so will we let the Spirit guide us today? And so that G is God, that you is you, and the I is I. God, you and I dance. Guidance. Trust in the Lord's guidance. And today, our passage, I, I, I found three points. I see three points. When the, spark, when the Spirit gives guidance, it can look like He closed doors. When the Spirit gives guidance, He will open eyes. When the Spirit gives guidance, He can open hearts. But before we dig into the passage today, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that Your Spirit will have His way today. Lord, through this passage, may You guide us more to be like Your Son, and in His name we pray. Amen. Verse 6. Paul and his companion traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia Minor. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, my first point for you today is when the Spirit gives guidance, sometimes it looks like He has closed doors. Because just in the two verses that we read, what we find out is that the Spirit forbade them to enter those places. Now, we don't see this in the English, but the sentence expresses that Paul tried many times. Like, he didn't try once and, like, that was it. No, he, he kept trying and he kept trying, but the Spirit of God continued to stop him, forbade him. Now, when I read that, two questions came to my mind. The first was how and why? How did the Spirit stop Paul and crew? Did the Spirit of God send a Gandalf to stand in the road with his staff stomping the ground? You shall not pass. Was it a Snorlax that blocked the road? Was it an invisible barrier or force field? Was it bad weather? Was it, was, did Paul hear a voice, don't go there, son? What was it? Now, some scholars think it was, Paul was sick. That's why he, he was prevented from going to those places because Paul was too sick. And that's why in verse 9, Dr. Luke joins the journey to be his personal physician. But at the end of the day, we don't actually know how the Spirit stopped Paul, but we just know the fact that the Spirit did stop Paul. Now, this makes us wonder and think differently about our spiritual warfare day to day. Now, sometimes when we think, oh, I didn't get that job, I didn't get that promotion, that girl I like doesn't like me back. <laughs> the devil's, it's the devil's fault. <laughs> it's like, but what if it's the Spirit of God that stopped all that? Can we still trust God and His guidance? Maybe it wasn't just time yet. And the other question I had was, why did the spirits stop Paul? why paul was just only trying to fulfill the great commission to make disciples to preach the gospel and then the spirit didn't allow him to do that in the province of asia like why why did god stop that missionary trip paul actually plant a church in ephesus and if you read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, there are seven letters to the seven cities in the province of Asia. The word of God will reach Asia Minor, but just not yet. So when God said no to Paul preaching to that place, it wasn't because he was cruel, it wasn't because he was cold hearted. No, he still loves that place and he will still save that place, but just not yet yet. And Paul just had to trust in the guidance of the Lord. And sometimes we too have to trust in the guidance of the Lord. In a fictional novel, Harry Potter, three friends find themselves in a room that looks like a chessboard. Now, what do we do? Harry whispered. Isn't it obvious? Said Ron we got to play our way across the room. Harry, you take the empty bishop place. Hermione, you be the queen side on the castle. And as for me, I'll be annoyed. And long story short, Hermione and Harry trusted in Ron, just followed his leading, because why? He's the only one that knew how to play chess. And by the end of it, Ron actually sacrifices himself so that the three could all accomplish their mission. Now, why am I telling you all this? Do we trust God's every move, that his every move in our life has its purpose, that He does not waste pain, He does not waste patience, He's working for our good? Did God not already sacrifice Himself to bring us about victory, victory from sin and death? If we can trust God with our eternity, how much more shall we trust God with our day-to-day living? Even if he says no, even if he closes those doors and put us in situations where we have no clue, nothing makes sense. But can we still say to the Lord, Lord, I trust you. Lord, continue to guide me. So back to the passage, what happens when Paul gets rejected in two places? It says in verse eight, so they head and they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Just because they were stopped from preaching the gospel in one place, it did not mean that they stopped moving around with the intention to continue to preach the gospel. This tells me that Paul did not take a passive position. He did not go, Lord, since you're trolling me, it feels like you're trolling me, I'm throwing in the towel, you can send someone else. He did not do that. J.I. Packer, in his book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit, says that passivity actually resists and quenches the Spirit. Like if you sit around and you say, I'm not going to move unless I hear audibly from God, I have dreams and visions, and if my pastors and my leaders and people around me confirm that, only then will I preach the gospel. But no, He's already told you through his great commission and then J.F. Packer goes on to say the Christian motto isn't let go and let God but it is to trust God and get going. The Christian motto isn't let go and let God but trust God and get going. And God does not own it to us to reveal and show us His divine plan for our lives, like every intricate detail, because in doing so would not do us any good. Instead, it would terrify us. But when the Spirit gives guidance, even though it looks like He has closed doors, we continue to put our trust in Him so that when those crazy Macedonian dreams do happen, we are already in a posture to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. Verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing there begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had this vision, we, first time Dr. Luke brings himself and puts himself in the book of Acts because before that it was always they, they did this, they did that, Paul, Peter did this, but now we, Paul, Luke, joins the crew. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them, which leads me to my second point. When the Spirit gives guidance, He opens eyes, mostly our eyes. Now, I remember There was a time when I just prayed that prayer. Lord, I haven't shared your gospel for a while. May I have the opportunity? I just did not know that that opportunity came that very night. On January 19th, 2013, eight years ago, I was on a plane trip from Melbourne returning to Brisbane, and I got on the plane, sat on my aisle seat, put down my little eye flap thing. I just wanted to sleep because when you sleep in a trip, it just makes the trip a lot faster. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm here, and go home. But then as I looked to my left, I saw a girl. And God almost, like, opened my eyes and almost audibly, it felt like he audibly told me, go talk to that girl. And do you know how your pastor responded? No, <laughs> no, Lord, this is awkward. I already have a girlfriend. I don't want to cause any misunderstandings. And I was using Demi to not talk to, you know, another girl. And, oh, look, Lord, she already opened up her book and started reading. It's rude for me to interrupt. And so I did, I couldn't bear looking at her anymore. And so I turn, turn right. And across the aisle seat was another man. And again, audibly, God said to me, opened my eyes and said, Dex talked to him, and I looked at him, and I'm like, the guns on his arms look like he can kill somebody, and he looks cranky. No, Lord. Look, he just put on his earphones, and socially, we know that when people put on their earphones, they don't want to be bothered. I don't want to bother him, Lord. And so, I resisted the Lord. The plane took off, and I resisted the Lord for about 20 minutes in, and, and the Lord was just bugging me, and I was like, oh, there was this burden. And I'm like, okay, okay, Lord, I I give up. You win. I'll speak to them if they speak to me first. And the moment I said that, the girl made eye contact with me and asked me for the food menu because apparently we were flying Tiger Air and they couldn't afford all menus on every seat. And it so (laughs) happens that my seat had the menu. And so she spoke to me first and I knew straight away, GG for her because she started it. And so I went for it. I went for it and I asked her, hey, what book are you reading? And she told me her title of her book and I didn't care. And I leapfrogged, <laughs> I forgot the title completely, but I leapfrogged the conversation to, do you know the Holy Spirit? Like, who even starts a conversation that way? <laughs> like, like that's a bit full-on. But out of God's grace, we kept on talking and we I got to share the gospel. We talked about Life after death, and she bombarded me with all these faith questions. And as I turn around to my to my right, there the guy was with his earphones off, straining his neck, listening in intently to everything that I've been saying. And I looked at him and I'm like, Alright, do you, you want to join us? And so I scooted over, sat in the middle, and we came and he came and sat uh, beside me, and they were just like talking to me throughout the whole trip, asking about questions about the faith now, even towards the end of the trip, these two have not given their life to Christ yet. All I know was my job was done. I sowed the seed, and it 's god 's job to make it grow and I got off the plane, went to get my luggage, and then there was these two elderly couple that came up to me and said are you that young man that that shared Jesus with with those two? I'm like, yes, yeah, it's me. And these two couples said, you know what? When you were sharing Jesus, we were praying to Jesus for you the whole time. The whole time. I had no clue that God sent me spiritual backup. Trust in God's guidance. And I know it's awkward to start conversations about Jesus. It still scares me to this very day. But that does not change the reality. That does not change the fact that the message of Jesus that we have is the most important, most significant message in all of the universe. God has ordained that this gospel, that this good news, that this message not to be heralded by angels, but by the spreading of ordinary human beings like you and I, and He has chosen us in times such as these. So I hope you do pray that courageous prayer. Lord, give me opportunities to share, and I guarantee you He will open your eyes to the opportunities that was always there in front of you. You just never saw it. So when the Spirit gives guidance, sometimes... It looks like he closed doors. When the spirits give guidance, sometimes he will open eyes, mostly our eyes. And my third point is, when the spirits give guidance, he opens hearts. Look what happens. Verse 11. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day we went to Nepolis. And we traveled to philippi a roman colony the leading city in that district of macedonia and we stayed there for several days on the sabbath we went out to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer we sat down and began to speak to a group of women and a woman there by the name of lydia from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth she was a worshiper of god Look what happens. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Usually when Paul starts off his missionary journey, when he goes to a place, he will find the synagogue. And that's where he will start preaching the word of Jesus. But here in Philippi, there is no synagogue because to make up a synagogue, you need 10 Jewish men. And so the next best place was the riverside where people can go and pray. And so when Paul and his crew went out to the riverside to find a place to pray, they meet Lydia from Thyatira. And where is Thyatira? It's in the province of Asia Minor, the very place that the Spirit stopped Paul from going to. But he meets a resident there. And so who was this Lydia? Who was she? Let me tell you who she is. She was a rich woman. Like, man, because the Bible said that she was a dealer of purple cloth. Nowadays, when people try to show off that they're rich, they have to wear a whole bunch of brand names like Louis Vuitton, Channel, Cookie <laughs> Versace. But back then, you only need to wear a bit of purple and everyone can tell that you're rich. Why? Because... Purple was the color of royalty. It was a luxury good, and purple dye cost more than gold. Why? Because it was so tedious and so hard to get the dye purple. There's only two ways. One way is you collect from the coast thousands of these little crustaceans, and then you crush them. That's, like, horrible for them. You crush them, use their blood to make purple cloth. Or in another play, historically... You find these flowers only found in Thyatira, the place where Lydia is from, and you have to harvest thousands and hundreds of these flowers, and you crush them to get their purple dye. And again, another very tedious process. That's why it was so expensive. And so who is Lydia? You can think of her as a fashion icon in today's context, and her job had something to do with beauty and the Bible tells us she was a God-fearer. That means she had left her pagan gods, and she came to want to worship the God of the Bible. But she hasn't known Jesus yet, and so Paul begins to preach about Jesus, how He died, and how He rose again. And the Bible says, the Lord opened up Lydia's hearts. The opening up of hearts is the Spirit's job. Our job It's just to share the gospel. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, this should be good news for us. Now, this should bring a smile to our face. This should lift up the burden that we have on ourselves because we are not doing the heavy lifting God is. We're not the drivers. We're just passengers coming along for the ride that Jesus is already working on. This should give us hope because like many of you, I have loved one who yet to come to believe in the Lord. I have my two best friends, my childhood friends. We grew up together, and it breaks my heart when I know that they have not yet to come and love the Lord. As a pastor, as an evangelist, I have seen many people come to the Lord. And so there are times where I'm just in my room or in my car, and I'm just crying, weeping for their salvation. And I will vent out to the Lord, Lord, you've used me to save so many other people. You used me to pastor many churches, but I can't do anything for my two friends. Lord, I tried with all my knowledge, all my experience, all my eloquence, and I cannot save them. Lord, you have to save them. I can't do this. Only you can. And maybe you are in the same boat today. Your loved ones have not yet to come and believe in the Lord. Maybe it's your spouse Maybe it's your brother, maybe it's your sister, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's even your children that have yet to come to know the Lord. But this should give you hope. The Holy Spirit can open their hearts in due time. And in the meantime, all we can do is keep trying. We keep be faithful on sharing the gospel In our daily lives, we try to glorify Jesus, and we continue to trust in the guidance of God. That's all we can do. Back to the passage, verse 14. What we don't see here in the English is this word for respond. Now, that word for respond in Greek literally means to be attracted to attracted to. Lydia was attracted to whatever Paul was saying to her. It must have sound magnificent, marvelous, and beautiful. She didn't merely just responded to the gospel. She didn't merely just was convinced. No, she was attracted to it. And ironically, she is in the business of beauty. And the Spirit opened her heart to see the beauty of Christ. She was drawn in by the beauty of Christ. When the gospel dawns on you, you will see the glory and the radiance of Jesus Christ, and He outshines everything that you once viewed as precious. What you once viewed as precious pales in comparison to Him. When the gospel dawns on you, it's like Jesus has become the sun that outshines all the stars during daytime. You know that during daytime, we know that all the stars are out because stars are actually everywhere. But why don't we see the stars? Why? Because the sun outshines them all. That's what happens when Jesus becomes your son, the illuminator of your life, the light of your hope. Has the gospel dawned on you Jesus was crushed for our iniquities, pierced for our transgression, and the blood that flowed out of Him washed over us. And in that moment on the cross, as people laughed and mocked at Him, we became royalty. He died so that we could be dyed in His color of righteousness. Trust in God's guidance, because He's that good. Now, let's see what happens to Lydia in verse 15. When she and her members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If she if you consider me to be a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us, being the businesswoman that she is. Now, here's what happened. When the Lord opens up your hearts, you tend to also open up your homes, your wallets, or your, whatever you have. So what happens to Lydia here? If you think of Paul as Batman, Timothy as Robin, Robin, Lydia becomes Alfred and her house becomes the Batcave. It becomes the base of operation. Her house was a big house, big enough to fit all her workers, Paul and his crew. A demon-possessed, fortune-telling girl other brethren and a jail, Philippian jailer and all of his family household. Her house now becomes the house of the Lord. Her purple now has a purpose. Her riches now belongs to her king. And her house becomes the church of Philippians as we know it, which Paul writes a letter to. The letter of Philippians, also known as the book of joy, and have we not been blessed by that book? And do you know that the first century church, they did not pull together money to buy a building and then gather and call it a church. No, the gospel spread through homes. It was through homes, through people opening up their homes that the gospel spread and changed civilizations as we know it. And at Sun Life, I really want to thank those of you who open up your homes so that community groups can take in week in, week out, outside of sundays during the weekdays i thank you because i know without a doubt and i believe that the gift of hospitality is a vital part in our in our discipleship process and of the gospel advancing in our society a christian a post-christian hostile society and i believe that in evangelism this is the spear tip that god uses to pierce through the darkness The word hospitality, in the Greek word, it's a mush of two words, philo and xenia. Philo meaning love and xenia meaning strangers. You put those two words together. Philo, xenia means love for strangers. That's what hospitality is. Hospitality is not just inviting and loving those who look like me those who act like me, those who think like me, those who have the same money in their bank account, drive the same car, has the same age as me, has the same social status as me. No, hospitality is loving those outside of my normal friendship circle. In my hope for Sun Life Church, when I want to hear about you when I leave this place. Today's my last sermon here. My dream is to hear about you, that you're not just known as a Bible-loving church, but a people-loving church, a welcoming church. That usually after the service, what people would usually hear, hey, is this, are you new, to, are you new here? Has anyone invited you to lunch? Hey, why don't you join us? Oh, you can't come this week? How about next week? We always go out for lunch. Has, has anyone... I, I don't think we've, we've met each other yet or known each other deeply. Why don't you come to my house for dinner this week? Has, has anyone nicked you into their CG group yet? Well, why don't you join our CG group? And I know, some life is. some of you are living that life right now, and I thank you, and I encourage you to keep doing so because you know... That when God blesses you with abundance, you do not build higher fences, but you build larger tables. Because you know that Jesus Christ was the one that invited you to his table when you were unworthy. And so we invite people to our tables, because freely we receive, freely we give. So Sun Life Church, continue to trust in the guidance of God even though it seems like He has closed doors, but He will open eyes, mostly our eyes, and He will open the hearts to those whom we share the gospel with. God bless you, church. Now, let's all stand, and I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just... Thank you. Lord, may this not be just another sermon, Lord, but may there be an encouragement. Lord, may there be a transformation. Lord, may there be an action. Lord, may, may your people who heard this word of yours have their obedience and courage to do so. Lord, continue to guide this church of yours. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, this is it. Um, I hope I hope you have a great weekend. Um, it's It's double demerit points. So don't speak. God bless you. See you around.